Hammer Japan, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mr. Headley Turk will join us to discuss why intelligent people are overweight. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Back to the Grox Science Show. Well, the prevalence of obesity in this country is the cause for much consternation. Yet, despite all of the research and scientific studies demonstrating the path to a healthy lifestyle, it remains severely problematic. However, the reasons may be rooted in something deeper, perhaps something like addiction. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Headley Turk. Mr. Turk is a former personal trainer who has overcome his food addiction. He received his Bachelor of Science from uh, SUNY at Albany and currently lives in Great Neck, New York, where he's passionate about helping others overcome their food addictions and lead healthier lives. Mr. Turk, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, certainly our pleasure, and uh, this is certainly a fascinating book you've written. Uh, the new book you've written, is, uh, by the way, is called Why Intelligent People Are Overweight, A Guide to a Healthier Life. And uh, I think this is really a, a great book for those people who are struggling with food addiction. Certainly a great achievement that you were able to overcome your addiction. How, how was it that you were able to do so, and what was it you realized about uh, addiction to food? If you're overweight, you most likely have a food addiction. Food addiction, fine in terms of being overweight, is the inability to either control what you eat or how much you eat, or a combination of both. And anybody that's overweight usually falls under this definition. So how do we overcome a food addiction? We have to change our associations to the food, and that's a five-step process. Uh, so is, is it really the case that these sorts of addictions are formed through these positive associations? I believe that this is the primary cause of food addiction. Is there some chemical uh, addiction as well? Yes, but that's not nearly as strong or as potent as the uh, mental addiction to food. Well, I can't speak to other addictions because I don't have personal experience with that and I haven't done any studies uh, in that area, in any of those other areas, so I can't really speak to those. I can only speak to food addiction because that's my area of expertise. You say then that there's a five-step process then for moving beyond these food addictions. What are they? Yes. Uh, five-step process, I'll go over them really quickly and we can expand on them if you'd like. Uh, the first step is motivation. If you want to overcome a food addiction, if you want to lose weight, if you want to get healthier, it's going to take hard work. You know, there are no shortcuts. You hear about the 7, 14, or 28-day programs. That's a lot of hype. If you want to overcome a food addiction, if you want to lose weight, and if you want to get healthier, it's going to take work. And nobody does work unless they're properly motivated. So you need to really be motivated to make a change. You've got to really want it. That's step number one. Step number two is identifying what your current associations are to the food. So basically ask yourself the question, why do I eat this food? The third step is to create new negative associations to the food. So basically, you eat this food because, like we said earlier, you have positive associations to it. It makes you feel good. You like the way it tastes. With those positive associations, you're almost never going to be able to quit eating that food because it's a source of pleasure from you, for you. Now you need to create new negative associations. So now this food is no longer a source of pleasure but a source of pain. 
The fourth step is to create new positive associations to not eating the food. So that means every time you resist the urge to eat this food, it makes you feel good. So before your source of pleasure was eating the food, now your source of pleasure is not eating the food. And the fifth and final step is to anchor your associations. Anchoring an association means strengthening the association. And you want to strengthen this association to the point where it doesn't last a month, it doesn't last six months, but it lasts a lifetime. I see. So it's essentially moving away your positive associations from food to something else. Well, you're changing your associations to this food. That's number one. Now, what you're referring to is creating new positive associations to not eating the food. Now, that's a very important point. This is one of the main reasons why diets never work. When a person goes on a diet, they're taking away a source of pleasure from their life, namely the food. So you go on a diet, you quit eating the food that you like, that's a source of pleasure. When you take away a source of pleasure from your life, you feel a sense of loss and lack. That's human nature. So you're on this diet. You now, a source of pleasure has been taken away from you. Eventually, you're going to want to return to that source of pleasure because life stresses will affect you, and you want pleasure. We normally gravitate towards pleasure. So you now need to create a new source of pleasure to not eating the food so that every time you resist the urge, when before resisting the urge made you feel pain because you like the food, food is a source of pleasure, now you're switching that around. Now every time you resist the urge, this, that's going to give you pleasure. Does exercise also figure into this program as well? Yes, uh, exercising is important. I mean, you, you cannot be healthy just by dieting, just by eating right. And you can't, I mean, you, you will be healthy, but you won't be as healthy as you can be. Uh, we're looking to be healthy, and healthy means being strong, having lots of energy, being illness and disease-free, and doing it for a very, very, very long time. That's our goal. Our goal is not to look good and be model thin. Our goal is to be healthy. Now, of course, some of the fabulous byproducts of being healthy are being uh, thin and looking great. But those aren't the goals. When you have goals like that as being goals such as being model thin and looking good, you end up doing some stupid things like really strange diets, uh, plastic surgery, and other forms of uh, surgeries as well. So our goal is, is to be healthy. Focusing on the correct goal, and that will lead you then to the correct behaviors in a way. The goal will help your motivation. Mm-hmm. Step one is motivation. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a process like anything else. In life, there, if you want to achieve something, there's a certain process to get there. Same thing with being healthy. If you want to be healthy, there's a process to get there. Anytime you hear advertisements of something, like I said earlier, advertising some quick gimmick, you know, the Fine Master, the Ad Master, or any of these uh, gimmicky items, or foods, or diets, it's a gimmick. This, to get healthy is a process. There's no shortcut to it. But the key is, you can maximize the time that, you, that you're that uh, you applying. So if you're exercising, it's not enough just to exercise. You need to exercise correctly. Because, I, I, let me give an example. I see people at the gym who I, I've seen them over the past few years, and their bodies haven't changed one bit. And that's because they're not exercising correctly. Now, what exercising correctly means, using the proper form and putting in the most effort you possibly can and grow and improving upon that effort day in and day out. So if you run a mile in 12 minutes today, your goal is to run a mile in 11 minutes tomorrow. So you're always looking to improve upon your previous day's performance. So when you exercise, you want to get the most out of the time that you're applying. I see. So it's really being efficient and doing things the right way. People always uh, come to me and say, you know, Henry, isn't it about just motivation and willpower? Can you just be healthy just by motivation and willpower? Well, 
that's, a, that's an important factor, motivation and willpower, but it's not enough for a lot of people because if it was, there wouldn't be any overweight people. You need the tools to get there. You know, if you wanted to climb Mount Everest and you said, hey, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest, I'm really psyched, I'm really motivated, i got the willpower, nothing's going to stop me. Well, if you don't have the proper tools, you're going to freeze to death at about 14,000 feet, regardless of your motivation and willpower. So you need the proper tools to get there. And unfortunately, believe it or not, with all the material that has been out there on, on food and exercise and health, nothing has, has uh, produced results. I mean, if they had, they wouldn't have overweight people. And, you know, I don't mean to be selling the book because, really, I don't need to sell the book to make, to make a living. I earn a very good living as a computer consultant. I've written this book because I believe I have information that can help people in an area where they have not been helped. But this book will produce results, and it has produced results up to this point. Thank goodness it's, been, it's gotten such tremendous feedback, and I can't speak highly enough of the book. But... For your listeners who have been let down in the past by diets and health-related material that have not produced results, I can understand that they're very skeptical. But this book, like I said, is different than all the rest. And But you, you have to be willing to step up and, and go for it. You know, you cannot let that skepticism not let you try again. You've got to give it one more shot. And I promise you that if you do take a shot with this book, it will produce results. What do you think are the greatest impediments for most people to losing weight and having a healthier life? Well, like we said earlier, and I don't want to beat, beat the point, but it does start with motivation. You know, um, motivation comes from different sources. Uh, motivation comes from good sources, and they can come from negative sources. For example, on negative sources, if a doctor tells you, you know, you need to start uh, eating better and exercising, otherwise you're going to have a serious health issue coming up. Well, that, that could be a pretty strong motivator for most. Or, unfortunately, you may suffer a, a serious health issue like a heart attack or, a can, or a cancer, and then that's another motivator to change your lifestyle. But motivation can also come from different, more positive sources, you know, like family or from within. And it starts from motivation. You have to want to make a change. Also, another thing that stands in the way is fear. Um, you know, people have been, like I said earlier, people have been let down in the past, and so they're unwilling or unsure whether they want to take another step and try again. You know, when you get, when, you're, when you try something a bunch of times and you keep getting hit in the face and you're not succeeding, it's not going to make you want to try again after you're going to reach a certain breaking point. And a lot of people, unfortunately, have reached that breaking point. So that's part of my effort here, um, you know, conducting these interviews, to try to reach those people who have, feel like there is no help out there for them who feel that they cannot succeed. You can succeed. You can lose weight. You can get healthier. You can overcome your food addiction. Book will help you get there. Mm. Part of the be having a sort of a support network that helps you with, with your motivation and, and obtaining your goals. Well, right now, the book's been out about four months, so we don't really have a support network per se. Right now, I am the support network, and I make myself fully available on the uh, website for the book, uh, whyareweoverweight.com. I'm sorry to throw in that shameless plug, but uh, it's important that that gets out there. Uh, it's whyareweoverweight.com. There's a contact area, and I respond to every every person that contacts me, and I at this point and juncture am that support network, and I have no problem doing that. It's my pleasure to uh, to help. I mean, but certainly uh, having family and friends involved as well would help in, in the process, one might think. Well, that depends. Everybody is different, and everybody's uh, way of doing things is different. Some people like to advertise to their friends, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, I really would like your support. You know, and, and by sharing that with people, that kind of keeps them, you know, 
because people will kind of hold their feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. But there are other people that when they try to pursue a goal, they keep it quiet to themselves because it's more of an energy thing with them. And if they feel like if they share with too many people, it takes away from what they're trying to, trying to pursue. So that really is a per, an individual choice as to whether they, whether to choose to share that with people or not. So really, it's up to the individual to decide how he wants to pursue his goals and motivate himself. Yes, the tools are in the book. Uh, you know, there's a whole chapter on motivation, which if you're not sure right now how motivated you are, where you're going to get this motivation from, that's okay. Because if you're willing to take the first step and read the book, there's a whole chapter on motivation that can help you extract and find where your personal motivation is. And I could take that small little motivation that you have that has you just used the bridge of the book and, ter- and turn that into a volcano. Again, so, I want to I make a point, uh, again, that I'm not trying to be a pitch man for the book. Okay? Like I said earlier, I don't need to start earn a living. I do very well. But it's important that I, that I extol the virtues of the book so that people understand how much benefit this book can have to them. It's really unlike anything that has been, uh, has been written on the topic. I'm curious, so, right, what are really the components for both eating and exercising correctly? I don't tell people exactly what they should eat. Everybody's going to find their own balance. I believe life is about balance, all right? So I don't tell people to go to one extreme or another extreme. You have to find your personal balance with it. Um, so where people are going to go on that scale is an individual choice. Some people may take it to one extreme where they're only going to eat healthy foods and not touch even a slight piece of chocolate or ever have a drink or whatever. That's okay. That's their personal choice. There are others that will eat healthy, but once in a while it's okay to have a piece of cake or you know a piece of chocolate or a little bit of ice cream once in a while. Everybody is different. So where people go on that scale is a personal choice. I just provide the tools to get there, but people have to decide where they want to land on that scale and where their personal balance is. Hmm. A lot of people, it's very easy to um, you know, maintain that motivation over a short period of time, but uh, maintaining over a long period of time really requires, uh, if you will, a marathon kind of effort. A lot of people are very good in the short term, but how do you extend it to the long term? Well, like I said, first and foremost, this is not a short-term effort. Mm-hmm. This is a lifetime effort. This is a lifetime change. Uh, like I said, losing weight and getting healthier is not a simple process. It's going to take hard work. And when you accomplish that hard work, you want to keep it going. So the most important thing is identify what your motivation is. And it's not enough just to say, hey, I'm psyched. I really want to do this. Why are you doing this? I'll give you a great example. Um, and I actually use this example in the book. Uh, a good friend of mine has four kids. He suffered a heart attack, even, uh, and even after suffering a heart attack, he could not control his eating habits, and he could not get himself to exercise. And then one day, his, his kids came up to him, they were crying, and they told him, you know, Daddy, I don't want you to die, basically. And it was at that moment that he realized he needed to make a change. And he incorporated the love for his family as his motivation to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's what was his, was his driving factor. And when you create new associations, like we discussed earlier and we, we briefly glossed over, you apply your motivation to it, which makes these motivations stick. It's not just writing on paper. Oh, we want, we want to, uh, this is a process, a concrete process that's really going to change your behavior. And if you want to really change your behavior, you have to be really motivated. So the first, one of the first steps in the book is to identify what your motivation is. And then we all, we're all going to fall off the wagon, so to speak, right? It, nothing goes in a straight line up and nothing goes in a straight line down. So there'll be times when maybe you don't want to exercise. There'll be times where you, you know, you may grab a bite of food that you know you shouldn't. 
that's the time when you need to reconnect with your motivation and remind yourself, why am I doing this in the first place? Why is this a must for me? When you reconnect with your motivation like Michael did, it's the love for my family. This is why I'm doing this, it's the love for my family. When he reconnects with that love for his family, that's going to push him to go to the gym when he really doesn't want to. Or that's going to push him to put down that piece of cake rather than eat it. Because in comparison to his love for his family, exercising a cake ain't much. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it is, as mentioned, connecting with something deeper that really is the driving, motivating force in in the whole process. Clearly, but over time, though, should our expectations change as far as you know, what we expect for our bodies and ourselves and sort of redefining our fundamental motivating drives? Well, in terms of expectation, yes, our expectations definitely need to change. Um, you know, we added a chapter on aging in the book, and we think about aging our perception, our model of aging is based on all the people that we've seen age. So most people's models of aging is you grow older, you slowly uh, fall apart, and then over time you gradually wither away. Now that's based on seeing our parents age, seeing our grandparents age, and yes, they all age that way unfortunately. But now we know that eating right and exercising will not only lengthen our lives, but improve the quality of our lives. There are many seniors now who exercise and are finding that they're not getting weaker as they get older, but they're getting stronger as they get older. And these seniors who are exercising and are keeping themselves in great shape, they're not falling in the tubs, they're not using walkers, you know, they're not losing their confidence. They are living their life at a much healthier level than seniors in past generations have. So one of the important uh, points is to reevaluate the way you think aging occurs. We can retard the aging process. We can't stop it. Nobody's figured that point out yet. But as soon as they do, I'll be first one to grab that. But uh, we can retard it and really slow it down and at the same time improve the way we live. When you improve the quality of your health, you improve the quality of your life exponentially. You know, I'm a writer, and I cannot even put into words how much your life changes when you get from a point when you're unhealthy to a point when you're healthy. Everything changes. You're able to do so much more. You feel so much better. Uh, it's just, it really changes your life for the better. Hmm. Well, it's a model of aging that I think uh, a lot of people want to have. We're really slightly out of time. I'm just curious if uh, maybe you could distill uh, some final words, encouragement or advice for those people really who are struggling with, with this problem of being overweight and having food addiction. Sure. Um, you know, I know a lot of listeners have been disappointed in the past by diets and health-related material that has not produced results. Um, but you can do this. Right? People have done it before you, and you can accomplish this. You just need the right tools. And, and again, the right tools are in this book. This book can definitely help you out. And you can also use me as a resource. I'm available uh, through the website, and I'd be more than happy to help walk you through certain steps if you have any questions. Um, but you have to take the first step. I can't put the book in your hands, and I can't make you read it. You know, I'm a great salesman for the book, but it's not enough for me just to be a salesman, and it's not enough for you just to buy it. You have to read it, and you have there are certain exercises, written exercises in the book that you have to do. And if you're willing to take that first step, if you're willing to just make that small commitment, this book can take you the rest of the way. Well, the new, new book is called Why Intelligent People Are Overweight, A Guide to a Healthier Life. And uh, Mr. Turk, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grox Sign Show. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And you were just listening to Mr. Headley Turk. will join us to discuss why intelligent people are overweight. This is the Grox Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000, so stay tuned.
right, it's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, More Addictive Than Food. So for the following five items, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they're more addictive than food or not, and uh, a little reason why. Uh, Mr. Turk, you ready to play the game? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, item number one, more addictive than food or not, it's the iPhone. The iPhone, wow. Considering I live in New York City and everybody walks around with one on the street and they constantly bump into you, I would probably say the iPhone for most. Yeah, number two, uh, more addictive than food or not, it's reality television. Yeah, that's a close one. You know what? People combine both activities, eating while watching reality television. So we might have to call that a draw. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three, Texas Hold'em. Texas Hold'em, wow. I'm going to have to say, that's a toughie, uh, Texas Hold'em has become very popular, and there are people that play, what, 20 hours, 25 hours, 30 hours at a time. Okay. Uh, I don't think anybody eats 20, 25 hours at a time, so I think Texas Hold'em, just pure by the fact of longevity in one sitting, wins that one. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, number four, it's Viagra. <laughs> that's a good one um, well for those of us that are really amorous clearly uh, Viagra would be the more addictive but I think just in quantity in terms of the United States I would say food addiction is definitely uh, leading that category <laughs> All right, maybe in Italy or something um, <laughs> uh, alright uh, number five finally more addictive than food or not it's the national debt you know what it's such a boring topic I'm going to say with food. Let's stick with food addiction. It's more interesting. Okay, sounds like a sounds like a good plan. All right, well, uh, Mr. Turk, I want to thank you very much for sticking around playing a game. And again, talking about your fascinating new book, which is called "Why Intelligent People Are Overweight: A Guide to a Healthier Life." Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, this is Rock Science Show. I've been Charles Lee. And I'm Elise. And we'll be back into more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to see us, you can do so on the web, www.grox.net, or email science at grox.net. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Have a great afternoon.